You guys like poetry? All right. This one started out as a song, not as a poem, but if it rhymes, they all belong. (laughs) All right. God told me, once you find yourself, help somebody find their strength, because success is what you make, but your purpose is what you give. He said, helping others is like helping me. That's how I want all my folks to be. First one there and the last to leave, first to serve and the last to eat. Let me state the obvious. We don't run with the populace. Because blending in brings consequence, and if we look like them, we would not be this. I've got a question for those who are involved. How come we getting this strong? How can we pray for tomorrow? How come we made it this far with all of these scars without seeing no harm? It's all because of a king and a team with a dream that be given their all like we ordered supreme. And we're doing this with all of our being. If you run with the team, then you know what I mean. So that is a song called Bigger Than Self. (laughs) Bigger Than Self. So you didn't call me Youth Pastor Ron, but when I'm rapping, my name is Rendezvous. So I do it. (laughs) I got bars. I got bars. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's beautiful. I've just been thinking about how God, um, how he just, how he brings us all together. Just think of all the many talents that we have in here. Some of them probably aren't even actualized, but uh, there's a lot of talent in here, and it's so beautiful just to see the body unified. And one of the other things I've been thinking about is how God uh, bestows vision upon the church, how he supplies us with vision. Um, he's given us great leaders in the church, and um, it's just beautiful how he wants to share that with us. First uh, Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 says, Where what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So that is one thing that we know we can be confident in. God will supply vision to his people. Joel 2, 28 says this, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. I just listen to that, and I know God wants to start a revival in this church. He wants to work through each and every one of us. It was beautiful. I know after church, one day I just saw the young people in a circle. They're in a circle, and they're sitting there holding hands, and they're praying for each other. That is the Spirit of God working in our young people. It was beautiful. You usually don't see that. A lot of times people are just gone, 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 and running around, and our young people are in a circle, and they're holding hands, and they're praying for each other. It's unity in the Spirit. So God began to show me this, and I believe I talked about it last time before, that multiple ministries will begin to come out of our church, as many have before. But he's saying that there's going to be more. And so um, I just know that, that God has a purpose for us. He's, uh, he's, he's placed us here on this beautiful green planet to meet a need, and he's placed a unique gifting inside of each of us to touch someone's life. So just as Jeremiah, uh, God proclaimed to Jeremiah that he has a plan. He said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Just as he proclaimed that, God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. He has something for us to do. 
And what I see a lot of times, and I've seen it in my own life, is that the, the enemy will try to come in and he will try to attack and he will try to begin to take away that joy of seeing that vision and that plan fulfilled in our lives. He likes to begin to put thoughts into our minds, how we're not good enough, how we're not strong enough, how we don't know enough so that that plan can't be fulfilled in our life and so that it can't come to fruition because he knows the work that we have to do. He knows the good that we can do in our community and in, our king, in, 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 uh, in Mechanicsburg. So, so I think one of the things we have to start doing is we have to start casting down the lies of Satan and start lifting up the fulfilling that God has put in our hearts. We have to start casting down the fear. We have to start casting down the doubt. We have to start casting down the negative things that Satan tries to plant inside of our minds because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, joy, peace, and sound mind. I just began to weep as, as Joey discerned that. He said, there's people in here hurting, and you guys are my body. We are one body. And so when you hurt, I hurt. And I just felt the hurt, and I just began to weep. <laughs> because, you know, I, I, I love you guys. We're all consumed one to another. And so we just cast out that depression. We cast out those negative thoughts this morning. Amen? Amen. So God is good and he's faithful. So uh, we've been going through this outreach series and, you know, I've been thankful to listen to Joey and um, just been able to learn a lot as far as uh, uh, being, being available and, and being ready to always uh, uh, share a testimony. And so um, this morning we're going to talk about is outreach a choice? Is outreach a choice? We can bring up that first slide there. Um, so... Um, if you have your Bibles, if you could, you can turn to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read, and um, we'll read verses 1 through 4. So, um, it says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. We'll go to 16 through 24. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see and to hear what you hear, but did not hear. <laughs> man, I just listened to that, man. I'm like, so God, you are supplying vision to your church that even, even the greatest politicians across the nation are not even receiving. You are supplying vision to us. 
You are supplying vision to your body. And here's, here's the amazing thing. Jesus said, if you go back to that slide before that, Jesus says this. He says, I am not sending out those who are the most skilled, the most wise, the most learned, the most prudent. I am sending out those who do not know that much. I'm sending out babes. So here's the thing. If the devil is speaking something to our hearts or he's been speaking something to us during this series saying that we cannot do it or that we're not strong enough, those little whispers that saying that it's too challenging, it's good to know that we don't have to be the most prudent or know the most about scriptures to be able to witness to other people. We just have to have obedient feet that are ready to go. And here's the most beautiful thing in this whole scripture is that Jesus began to rejoice. Jesus is rejoicing in heaven when we are afraid and we begin to take those little steps. Jesus is, is happy. He is, he is rejoicing. He and the Father, he and the Father were talking and they're both happy and excited because we took that little step towards witnessing, towards going out, towards outreaching towards someone. Jesus is rejoicing. We know that Jesus spent most of his time with his 12 disciples. But he saw it necessary to reach out to 72 people who were in the crowd, regulars. <laughs> no one special, no tent builders, no, uh, no, um, no, no fishermen, no, no physicians. Babes in Christ. And here Jesus is empowering the people to go out and do ministry. And he gave them specific instructions, and they were obedient, and they came back with good report. <laughs> so, will God work through you? Yes, he will. So here's our, here's our question that's still sitting out there. Is outreach a choice? Is outreach a choice? I just want to think about that. See, I always used to wonder about this question. And I, I kind of wanted to favor on the end that outreach is a choice so that I wouldn't have to do it because it was always weird for me. Because God was always telling me to go up to that guy on the corner with the full coat on in the, in the heat of summer with the dreads and telling me to give him some money and then go pray for him. So I was hoping that outreach always was a choice. And so I didn't want to do it. It was, it was weird. Um, I've just been put in some weird situations in outreach, and, um, and that's just the way it goes, um, especially when you start witnessing to that guy, and then he tells you he's already saved. That's probably, <laughs> I already got Jesus, man, so, so yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the embarrassing ones, so, um, but, um, but if I ever have a question in my mind, I know one thing I can do is I can always go back to God's word and he can begin to show me, you know, what is on his mind, what he's thinking about. So that's what I began to do um, even as I was studying for this. And I've always done it in my entire life. Now, uh, here's a few concepts I've noted throughout the scriptures that have helped me identify God's will for my life. And I'd like to share those with you today. So um, one of those uh, concepts I've adopted from scripture is philosophy. So, uh, so, what is, so what is philosophy? Um, it's a big, weird word, I tell you that much. Um, and a philosophy is basically a theory or an attitude held by a person or an organization that acts as a guiding principle for behavior. So basically this, every single one of us has a philosophy for their life. We have multiple philosophies. Like, for instance, some people, as soon as Thanksgiving's over, you probably have some Christmas traditions. Some of us start putting up lights. You don't have to tell us, we just go do it. You know, um, some of us may have a philosophy for brushing our teeth and bathing. Some of us don't. <laughs> you don't have to tell us. We just do it. Before we got in the public, we're just going to do it. Um, some people's may be a little bit more lax. And you just know. <laughs> but these values that we have for our lives, they're, very, they're, they're rarely uprooted. And they kind of they just stick with us. They're just there. They're there. Some of them we've had from um, the foundations of um, our childhood. Growing up, parents just told us to do certain things, or our families did certain things, so they're just there, and we will always do them. It becomes a challenge once we get married, right? Because <laughs> their culture is different from ours, our spouses, and then we've got to kind of unify and get things 
to get things together because in my household, we left up the toilet seat. And, and uh, yeah, with three boys on the, on the later end, you know, um, that was a problem for Nadine and I. Some rough nights there for her. So, um, <laughs> but to, to, to put this simply, you know, um, God has some anchored ideas as well. And a lot of times we can find that in his word. All we have to do is just go through and read it. And we'll begin to see those things over and over again. And so um, uh, it, 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 it's those firm, firm things that uh, makes the doing process easy. So um, I had some friends, you know, one of their uh, philosophies, his, well, their dad's philosophy was being on time. And um, I went out to one of their birthday parties, and we went to this restaurant, and I showed up on time, believe it or not, Joey. I showed up on time. And I, I, was, out, I was out there, and... Um, and I was just sitting out there with he and his wife and a few other family members. And two of his sons, my friends, weren't there yet. So he looks at his clock and it's five minutes after. And he begins to get angry. He was like, look, if you're not going to be on time, you shouldn't show up anyways. And he crosses his arm and he twists his face and he's sitting there. And he's mad. And so I just sat there and I watched it. I was like, man, over five minutes? And my family, we're usually about 30 minutes late. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, so, um, so uh, oddly enough, believe it or not, the man died, he died two weeks later. He died two weeks later, and um, it was a really rough time for his family. It, it, was, really, it was really challenging, and um, uh, the philosophy, though, that, that he kind of built up in his family stayed there, and this is how I know, because one of his sons was going to get married. This was like a few months down the road. His son was going to get married, and so he decided to have a bachelor party. And in his bachelor party, what they wanted to do was they were going to, um, we wanted to go on a skiing trip, so we all went skiing. And so there's these three brothers in his family and two friends. And I tell you what, when I went on this skiing trip with them, those guys moved so fast from location to location that I couldn't keep up with them. If it was putting on their skis, they put on their skis really fast, and they got there really fast to the next slope. If we were us going back to the motel, they had their clothes on before anybody else, and they were out the bed. They were moving. They were flying. And for me, I felt kind of embarrassed because uh, I was just running behind. You know, I felt, I felt inadequate. I felt weak. You know, I just figured, hey, black guys aren't supposed to be skiing because <laughs> I, I, can't keep, I can't keep up with these guys. They were, they were just all over the place. So... And the brothers don't ski. We don't. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they were going fast. So, um, so, so that, was their, that was their kind of philosophy. And, you know, and, and my dad kind of taught me a philosophy as well. One of the things that he taught me when I was young has always stuck with me is, is he told me, he said, he said, Ron, always protect your family's name. Always protect your family's name. And that's, that's always kind of stuck with me. And so in life, I had, some, I had some hiccups here and there, but I never did anything that was so egregious that it harmed my family's name. And so that's just kind of stuck with me, and I've always wanted to do those things. So I'm sure you all have some things that your parents have showed you and they've taught you that they've just stuck with you, and you naturally do it. So, um, you know, there's, there's a verse that, that, that says, I believe it's Romans 8, it's Romans 8 and 16 where it says, His spirit witnesses with our spirits that we're the children of God. And so, so in a lot of ways, God is speaking to us through his spirit that we are his children. So a lot of the attributes that are of God come on to us, and we begin to do those attributes just like we begin to do the attributes of our parents. You know, um, so when I see these browns walking, when I see Joey walking, when I see Randy walk, I'm like, they're, they're getting it from that guy right there. <laughs> they walk just like you. <laughs> I was like, it's crazy. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's really, it's really cool just to, see, just to see how we begin to take on those attributes. And so, um, and so with God, you can see a lot of these principles. One of the, one of the, the attributes um, or the philosophies of Jesus is this, is that Jesus believed in outreach. He believed in outreach. He commissioned the 72 um, we see Jesus always walking the countryside, healing people and sharing the gospel and preaching to people. We see Jesus out with those uh, who are not of the religious background because he's, he's going to heal the sick who are spiritually sick. We see Jesus resurrect from the dead after he died to come back specifically 
to preach about the Great Commission and to teach on it so that people could continue preaching the gospel. So it is definitely a philosophy of Jesus, and we see it over and over and over again, God reaching out through his son, God reaching out himself um, to mankind. And so, yeah, it just makes me want to think about, um, you know, what's our philosophy? What's our philosophy when it comes to the, uh, to the, to, to the Holy Father? Do we share that, that, that philosophy with him? So what happens if we don't share that philosophy? What if we say, you know, I'm just not sure if this outreach thing or witnessing thing is for me. You know, it's okay. Because you know what? I, I believe that God reveals things to us in time. And sometimes if that thing hasn't been revealed to us, and God will show us. That's option A. And then I say option B is that we can always pray that God will renew our mind, that we would have the same understanding that, that he has when it comes to outreach. This is very possible. So, yeah. Let's pray that God would, you know, uh, lead us that way, that we have a philosophy towards outreach. So um, next concept that, um, that uh, has come to my mind is the, the one of altruism. Does anyone know altruism is? Another weird word. Um, this is the unselfish concern for the wel- welfare of others. Um, I didn't know what this word was uh, when I first, well, of course, nobody knows a word until they come across it. Help me, Lord, help me. <laughs> but in, anyways, um, it's unselfish concern for the welfare of others. Um, I can tell you what, uh, this, was, this was one that was, that was uh, somewhat challenging for me. Um, uh, but I can tell you that God wants us to have this kind of mindset, the unselfish concern for the welfare of others, um, in many ways because he wants to see us productive. He wants to see us go from a consumer to a producer to a producer, and he wants to see us go from a recipient to a servant. And so uh, we see this in um, throughout Jesus's ministry in uh, Matthew 20, 20 through uh, 28. You see the sons of Zebedee, um, them and their mom. Those are real men. They're bringing <laughs> them and their her mom, their mom brought them to Jesus, and he's like, she's like, hey, she's like could you put one of my sons on your right side? Like, like could, you, could, you, could you let them be the, 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 the benefactor? Uh, could they sit with you? And Jesus basically told them that uh, he saw the greed in their heart. And he said that even the son of man didn't come to be served. He came to be a servant. He came to serve other people. And so Jesus saw their hearts and he, he sent them away. He sent them away. And in many ways, uh, we see this multiple times in Jesus' ministry. There was other times when the disciples, the disciples would say, Jesus, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And every single time Jesus said, he who serves, he who serves. And so uh, this is another thing that is at the foundational core of who Jesus is. It's about, it's about servitude and unselfish concern for the welfare of others. Now, I don't think that means that, you know, um, there's never a time that we can think of ourselves or that we would ever have any goals for ourselves. Um, but a lot of times what happens is, is God allows for, for us to shift our minds and our attention to add value to ourselves so that we, begin, that, that we can begin to help other people. There's a lot of people that do this. They will, they will literally... Um, uh, they take their finances that they've, that they've garnered or they've gained over, over a period of time and they begin to share it with other people. So why would God want us to have an unselfish concern for the welfare of others? Well, um, I believe that it puts us in a position that we are constantly giving. When I think of, of parents, parents are some of the, the most uh, um, unselfish people um, that, that there can be out there especially um, for, for you mothers. If you've gone through uh, uh, the breastfeeding um, process of a child, that kid is ready to eat two hours after he's born. You have to stay up every two hours and you're dead tired 
and you're burnt and you're spent and you just keep giving and you keep giving and you keep giving and you keep giving because you know that it has to be done <laughs> and you're tired and you're worn out and you just keep giving. And so um, that is uh, uh, an altruistic process. It's an unselfish concern for the welfare of that child. And so many, in many ways, God wants us to have spiritual sons and daughters. And, and it's an unselfish process where <laughs> we have to go out and sometimes even seek them out. And so God, is, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a maturing process where um, in, in our spiritual walks where God is um, he's asking for us to do this. I've also begun to do this with my emotions over time, having an unselfish uh, concern for the welfare of others. And, and one of the things that um, I believe that uh, it's an obvious way that the enemy tries to deny Christians of an abundant life is believing that we have the right to negative emotions. So that means basically this. Sometimes um, there are people that I've worked with that are pretty nasty they are pretty nasty people. And what I have to do is, um, what the Holy Spirit tells me when that person's been nasty and they're saying some nasty things to me, is to calm my spirit, to be slow, slow to anger, to forbear with that person and be long-suffering, and to forgive that person right now in my heart. Forgive that person right now in my heart. Because, because God wants to see, um, God wants the world to see this, this, this supernatural love, this supernatural joy, supernatural forbearance that is brought about only by the Holy Spirit. The flesh can't do it. Because if I'm my flesh, the man might get hurt. <laughs> he might get busted. <laughs> but, 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 but when the supernatural love comes in, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and he says, be slow to anger, be slow to wrath, something else happens and it's out of my control. That's the Holy Spirit taking over. I had this guy that I work with and, um, well, I used to work with him. We stopped working at that job. God called us out of there, called me out of there. And, um, but I basically hopped in the truck with this guy, and we're driving. We deliver furniture. And this guy was telling me um, about how much he hated Christians, how terrible Christians are, how they're a bunch of liars, um, how they're a bunch of hypocrites, and how they're terrible people. And so I just sat there, and I just listened to him. I just sat there, and I listened to him. And I wanted to respond, but God said no. So I didn't respond. And so over time, this guy was, he was pretty challenging. So the guys at work, tried to, they always kind of picked on him. They always kind of picked on him. And they said kind of mean things to him. But every day that I would come in, I would say, hey, Matt, how are you doing today? You doing good, man? That's good. That's good. That's good. And this guy was really hard to work with. I had to work with him a few times. And one time he left his clipboard on the back of the truck and I hopped out in the pouring down rain to go get his clipboard for him. And then we were taking some furniture inside, and I think I was going a little bit too slow for him. He said, come on, Ron, pick it up, man. I ain't got time to be wet out here. And I said, you know what, Matt? I said, sometimes it's best, you know, when friends, you know, they jump out of trucks to get clipboards. You know, sometimes it's best just to return the favor or just be patient with that person. And so you just saw this, the blood in his face just begin to drain down or whatever and drink down. And then somewhere along the grapevine, he heard that, uh, I think Ron's a youth pastor. <laughs> I think Ron's a youth pastor. So I'm driving in the truck with this guy. I'm driving in this truck with this guy one day, and he's like, uh, hey, man, uh, I kind of I I heard you're a youth pastor. Man, I could, I could tell there's something, something different about you in the way that you, you act and behave yourself. And he said, man, you know what? He said, I'm, I'm not much of a praying man. I'm not much of a praying man, but I have this, this president of my bicycle club, and he has cancer. And I just want to know if you could pray for him. I just want to know if you could pray for him. You know, I believe it's imperative. I believe it's so important. 
that people see this supernatural working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're of flesh and we're of the Spirit. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, we choose the flesh. And then other times, you know, we choose the Spirit. But God is calling for uh, obedience to that Spirit because we never know who's watching us. So that's one of the things I learned. The other thing I learned was, was independence. Um, what is independence? It's a, it's a confidence to share one's personal testimony. Um, that used to be a challenge for me. Um, um, but um, I begin to do it more and more, and it's, and it's become a little easier. Um, I remember hearing this story one time of... Um, of this husband and his wife. They were in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and they were going on vacation, and they were heading north. And um, uh, uh, they they stopped in Tampa, Florida. And if you know anything about Tampa, Florida, Tampa, Florida has these beautiful groves of orange trees. Beautiful groves of orange trees. So they stopped at this diner. Um, they, they pull into the parking lot, and when they, as soon as they pull up in the parking lot, there's crates of oranges outside for sale. They walk inside the diner. There's crates of oranges by the counter. There's crates of oranges on top of the counter. I mean, Tampa, Florida has its oranges. Bunch of oranges. So they go and they sit down. And they take their seat. And a lady comes up to them, gives them their menu. And they start ordering their breakfast. And uh, um, she said, give us a minute. So they look over and then they, they order her food. But the, the wife, she started craving some orange juice. She's looking at all these oranges. And um, um, so she asked the waitress, she said, hey, 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 I'd like to get a glass of orange juice. And the, wait, and the waitress looked at her. and um, I've been saying waiter and waitress. I got to get that together. The waitress looked at her and she said, she said, we don't have any orange juice. <laughs> we don't have any orange juice. And then the lady said, what do you mean? You got, you got all these crates of oranges. And she said, the orange juice machine is down. It's not working. And so the woman's looking around like, you're telling me you guys got all these oranges and you can't make me some orange juice. She said, orange juice machine is down. And see, the, the, the thing is, is that the, the people in the restaurant have become so dependent upon the orange juice machine that they forgot that they can make orange juice with their hands. <laughs> they can all make orange juice. They could have just cut one open and, and sliced it and squeezed it in there. However, the same way in the church, what I've seen in, on a cultural basis over the entirety of the church is that Sometimes the church can become so dependent upon the pastors and upon the leaders that they forget that they can make orange juice themselves. And a lot of times <laughs> there are people out in the community who are thirsty and they're waiting for a drink. But the body as a whole has forgotten how to make orange juice. So... So what do we do about that? <laughs> See, for me, um, I, I used to kind of have this, this dependent mind, these de- this dependent mind where when, when I saw other people around me, I began to think that, okay, um, um, other people are going to be able to, to help. They're going to be able to, to pitch in. I don't know if I think that way just because I'm the youngest, I'm used to people providing for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the, the older brother that's used to providing for other people. But, um, but I had to begin to change that mind because um, I, I, used to, I used to kind of, um, you know, uh, push the responsibility on other people. And so uh, I believe it was very pivotal for me to start thinking from, um, a mindset that I can actually do this. I believe that the Holy Spirit um, quickens, quickens 
my body to be able to move and to begin to act. So when I say independence, it's not me being independent from the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing as faith without works is, is dead. So the Holy Spirit speaking to me, I must begin to act. He quickens my body to do it. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so, uh, so from a physical realm, I carry this mindset that, that no one is coming to save me in many ways. In, in my life, everything, every, all, the, all the steps that I take, I, I get based off of what I've done in this life. Um, I've had to stop putting the blame on other people and saying, hey, you made me mad. I'm angry because of this. I had to start taking joy and I had to say, no, I, I, joy is something I decide to do when I wake up in the morning. It's, it's not up to that person at work that made me angry or upset. I had to become to, to take this, this independence um, type mindset. And so um, uh, uh, it, it, it can be kind of challenging. Um, and that's why I'm trying to be careful with what I say here. Um, if, if, you, if you understand, um, I believe it's important for us to have an independent mindset and, and a team mindset. Um, if you could pull up that scripture for me, and I, I believe it was important to pull out a scripture for this one, just so we can understand a little bit more. So this is Galatians uh, chapter 6, uh, 2 through 5. And so it says, bear ye one another's burdens. And that's, that's, team, that's team mentality. And so fulfill the law of Christ. We skip down to verse 4 and it says, but let every man prove him, prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. So, so what that means is this. If you look at that part that says rejoice in himself alone, that's not boasting. It's not boasting, it's confidence. So in a way, independence is, uh, is confidence for us. Um, um, we can, we can kind of lose our independence when we put it on other people. Um, we, we may not have the confidence to go out and to witness some, to somebody if we look at it as a team, like, come on, guys, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. I've worked with some people in the music industry, and we kind of built teams, and, they, and when, every single time we have that mindset of, come on, guys, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, the team kind of falters. And because it doesn't, it doesn't have, uh, one, it doesn't have the, the proper leadership. And then um, the, the other part of it is that each individual doesn't have an independent mindset to work alone and then to work in a team. So a lot of times God is, is calling for us to have an independent mindset and to be able to work in a team. So we see that the same two things in the same verse, bear you one another's burdens and to also be able to prove of our own work. So um, I gave these chains to uh, the youth, and it says, God, it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. So as God empower me to be able to do, empower me to be able to um, be independent when it comes to sharing my testimony with someone who's out in the world. Um, uh, uh, give me that strength and that ability to not be afraid to just go up to my buddy and say, hey, man, I got to tell you what God did for me this week. He was so good. Um, he did this great thing for me, and, 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 and I, I, just, I just wanted you to hear it. I just wanted you to hear it. And I think a lot of times we get scared because uh, many of us, you know, we grew up in the church, and we say, I don't, I don't have some crazy story to tell. You know, Ron got paralyzed playing football. He can tell that story. You know, I just wake up every morning and eat Fruit Loops and, and just thankful I'm a child of God. <laughs> so in, in many ways, we're, we're kind of afraid because we say, I don't have anything deep to tell this guy. But believe it or not, I, I, didn't, need, I didn't think I did either. One day God told me, he said, he said Ron, he said, he said, start writing down your stories. Make a note of the good things that I've done in your life. He said, believe me, you have more in your life than you think. You have more in your life than you think. And so I was, I was just, I don't know why, I was looking at this book last night. I just picked it up. Um, it's in our house. It hasn't been used yet. It's called Five. Where will you be in five years? I just picked it up and I started looking through it. And I thought it was weird because when I opened it up, it had a paper clip in it. 
And it actually comes with the book. And um, it says this. It says, trading a paperclip for a house. It says, thinking big, Kyle McDonald started small with a paperclip to be exact. He posted it on Craigslist as a barter and got a fish-shaped pen for it. Then he traded the pen for something better. One trade led to another and another until McDonald finally found himself the new owner of a three-bedroom house. <laughs> Give yourself permission to aim high and work in life. Take time to dream and plan. But I thought that was amazing because I believe that a lot of people start out with little paperclip stories. Little paperclip stories. And then with obedient feet, there are no more paperclip stories. You just find yourself at, um, at uh, halfway houses where you're praying for people that were literally getting ready to kill themselves or this is their last chance and you just led that person to Christ. A paperclip turns into a pen-shaped, uh, fish-shaped pen. And um, I've seen God do this with me several areas where, you know, I've just kind of felt like, hey, I'm not adequate enough to preach the gospel. So I would, I would go out with my friends. My friend Chris, he's just crazy. He doesn't care. He's always going to preach the gospel. He's going to knock door to door. Um, we've done that before. Was I embarrassed quite a bit of the time? You better believe it. And this, I'm still following him. He's passing out tracks at the mall. Here he goes. He's passing out tracks. Here we go. Passing out tracks. Was there times that I felt uncomfortable? Yeah. Random times where he just asked people, hey, can I pray for you? Yeah, he did that. And then there's other times where we would go help with the Salvation Army and he would just, he would hand me a Bible and say, hey, Ron, could you preach the word today? And I'll say, yeah, all right, I'll do it. Did I really want to do it? Did my flesh really want to do it? No, it didn't. But I was obedient and I followed through. But now I could tell you some of the most amazing stories from just, from just preaching out on the streets to people. Beautiful stories that I can now share with other people of how people were getting ready to kill themselves, how this was their last chance. I had a guy tell me, he said, listen, man, and I prayed for him and he received Jesus Christ into his heart. But he said, he said, hey, man, if I don't get a hold of somebody, he said, I think this is going to be my last chance. I think I'm going to die out there. And so... I planted a seed. We planted a seed. <laughs> and, I, and, I'm, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that more seeds were planted. But your little paperclip stories, they're beautiful. Embrace them. People want to hear them. And with obedient feet, they're going to grow. They're going to grow in the fish-shaped pens. Now, don't tell other people that because they'll think you're crazy. But they're going to turn into fish-shaped pens. So, Last one is obedience. <laughs> obedience is always challenging, right? It's always challenging. Obedience is following the Holy Spirit's guidance. It's something that happens when we act on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, and Jesus left the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. And so over time, I, I, believe, I believe that the skills become sharpened into, into listening to the Holy Spirit. I believe that we all kind of listen to the Holy Spirit in different ways. I believe he speaks to us in different ways. Some people have, have keen ears for the Holy Spirit. They can just hear him really well. And then other people are saying, man, I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing it all. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here. And so it, it, it speaks very quietly and it, and it kind of works like this a lot of times. If you, if, if you, if you've had a hard time listening from the Holy Spirit, a lot of times he'll speak to us kind of like this. He'll kind of give us option A or we'll, no, excuse me, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this because usually option A is usually the flesh. It's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Option A usually pops up before, before the Holy Spirit. Option A usually pops up, and then the Holy Spirit comes up with option B. Comes with option B. And so he's saying that what your initial 
reaction was? He said, he said, I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you a way out. I'm going to give you a way out. And the reason he gives us this way out is because there's beauty in it. That's probably why, why option B starts with a B, because it's beautiful. <laughs> option B can help us in our marriages. It can help us with our friends. It can help us in our finances. It can help us at school, at work, at church. He gives us this option B, and it kind of it like works like a GPS. This option B is, is always speaking to us. And what God is doing is that route, that route, that option B route, actually takes us on a journey where we are fulfilling that purpose that we talked about, <laughs> um, uh, where we are, um, where we are uh, fulfilling our calling that God has put on our lives. And so, and so what the flesh kind of does is, um, is it, is it kind of derails us. Um, the flesh, what it kind of does is when God is putting us on this route, like a GPS, you know, you're following it, then you make a, uh, make a wrong turn. It prolongs your route. It makes things go longer. More minutes tick up on there at the bottom. But the Holy Spirit's always faithful because it always redirects us back onto the right route where we're supposed to be going. So, so I've done this many times in my life. And so, um, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, he's taken me on this adventure. And I guess my own self-will, you know, um, it just wants to plop down and turn on the Netflix, um, eat some pork rinds and the RC Cola. <laughs> Sip it back, tip, tip. <laughs> That's all it wants to do. It's just... In my, in my, in my, you know, God, God is leading me towards adventure and to purpose. And, um, and Ron is, is, is just kind of focused on himself in, 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 in a way. And so um, to fulfill that calling or what God is calling us to do in this community, um, I believe it's so beautiful when we can just listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, our, 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 our disobedience, our disobedience to the Holy Spirit, it basically um, prolongs things. We see this with Moses and the children of Israel. Um, uh, disobedience and complaining left them out in the wilderness for, uh, for 40 years. <laughs> They're out there stuck. It's kind of crazy how um, disobedience and um, complaining go hand in hand. Um, you know, uh, you know when, we're, when we're disobedient to our diet, um, uh, there's some complaining that comes. There's lots of hotness and sweating, and, <laughs> and, and, and there's different things that, there's different challenges that come. And then with obedience, um, there comes gratitude. We're actually more thankful. We say, man, I did that thing, man. I dropped seven pounds. Click, click. You know? And we post it on Facebook. So there's like this gratitude that comes with obedience. There's these beautiful things that God wants for our lives. We can always look back to it and say, hey, we relied on the Holy Spirit and God helped us in our marriage in this way, shape or form. God helped us in our finances because we relied on the Holy Spirit and he helped us in this way, this way, and this way. And then a lot of times when we're disobedient, um, it comes with problems and, and, and pain. So, so basically God loves us and he wants to keep us on this beautiful journey. He has places for us to go and, um, and he will redirect us back onto the road. So in conclusion, um, is outreach a choice? Well, yes, it is. <laughs> God loves us so much that he, he gave us free will. And along with that free will, he offers us the gift of wisdom, purpose, peace, understanding, and vision through the Holy Spirit. And like we said before, his spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. And we know that his spirit bears witness with us. And so uh, when we choose to follow the Holy Spirit, we are embracing the gift of vision God has given us. And when we become imitators of God, uh, we imitate the gift giver, and we have natural desire to share the gift of vision with the rest of the world. It comes naturally. It's not hard. It's like putting up the Christmas lights. It's like brushing our teeth. And so, 
Um, I always think of the main thing as this. We have that slide for the main thing. Um, uh, I would say that this, this verse is a catalyst for my life. Um, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 1 Peter 2.12 kind of mimics it, and it's beautiful because Peter, uh, being a, an apostle of Jesus Christ, kept it going, and he says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So, um, yeah, that is the main thing. And so, um, so let's just, let's just pray really quick. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so good. You're so good to your, to your children to supply vision to us, Lord. And Father, even when we are feeling inadequate, when we are feeling like we uh, can't accomplish something or that there's not much purpose to who we are, Father, uh, we're just praying, Lord, that uh, you would give us the confidence of knowing that we are your children and that you will continuously supply vision to us, Father. Even if we do not know it all, Lord, even if we, uh, even if we feel like we are uh, not great in our community, even if we feel like we are not great in, in our family, even if we feel like we are not great in our church, Lord, we know that you are going to supply us with vision if we have obedient feet, Lord. And there's nothing greater than we can be filled with is, uh, than with your spirit, Father. So we are just praying that, um, that we would receive Receive the word today, Father, and knowing, knowing that you are going to be there with us, Lord, and that if we have those obedient feet, that you are going to um, uh, continue to open our eyes to the vision that you have for this community, that you will continue to open our eyes to the vision that you have for this church, that you will continue to open the eyes for the vision you have for our families. Dear Father, we are just praying that, um, that um, if there are those um, today um, who are searching, who would like to have uh, 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 that connection with your Holy Spirit, Father, to where you are speaking on a deep level. Father, we just pray that you just open those hearts right now, Father, and that they would receive it. And knowing that their confidence can be in the, uh, in the fact that, Lord, that uh, their heart is open and that you're going, to, uh, you're going to give it to them. Lord, we're thankful for, uh, for what you've done for us here today. We praise your name for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty, that's it. Let's go plant some seeds. <laughs>